Sunday sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, I've got the secret of life. If you've been waiting for it, I'm going to tell it to you today. i got the secret of life. And there's a reason for it coming today. Um, we're about to launch out hundreds of missionaries today, tonight at the block party. And everybody say, that's me. I'm a missionary. Everybody point to yourself. You're the missionary. You're looking around going, I wonder who's going to do that. It's you. All right? And all of this talk that we've been having over these last few months about Holy Spirit, the roles that he puts into our life, the giftings that we have, that we're supposed to let our light shine before all men, all these things that we've been talking about, you get to put it into practice tonight. You're going to be the missionaries. And I'm not asking you to jump on an airplane, all right, yet. That'll come later. But tonight, when you show up, God's going to stir your heart And he's going to do something in you where you're going to be able to speak life into others. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that, and some of you guys, you're afraid. You're like, that freaks me out. You want me to talk to people tonight? Ryan said popcorn and candy. I was down. You want me to talk to people? I'm out, right? There's a reason for that. The secret of life, say these words with me, Christ in me. me. Now turn to your neighbor and say, Christ in you. Now tell your neighbor, I'm special. Listen, the secret of life is that Christ lives in you and he's the hope of glory. What you're going to do tonight and what you should be doing every day of your life, the great game changer in your life is when you come to this understanding that Christ lives, really lives in you. Metaphorically, not poetically, oh that's nice. He really, really lives in you and he changes everything that you would know and come to Christ would change everything in your life if we believe it. And he says, and he's the hope of glory. And so today, I have the stirring in my heart to talk to you about what this means that when God lives in us, he is changing the culture of our life from a culture of visitation to a culture of habitation. And I'm gonna share with you what I mean by that. There's a culture of visitation that we get from the Old Testament where God at times in his life, or God at times in the Old Testament would step down and he would come and he would visit and his presence would accomplish whatever it was that he would want to accomplish, but then he would go back up because he could not dwell among sinful people. And so there was something that happened from the Old Testament to the New Testament that took us from a visitation culture to a habitation culture. And the question is, are we living in the habitation culture? When we talk about this church, it's so important that we understand that in this culture of visitation, the word visitation here means simply this, oversight and inspection. That in the Old Testament, God would come and give withdrawal from a sinful people because redemption had not yet come. And then you've seen the same thing. It's a dwelling or it's a habitation in the Greek and the Hebrew both mean the same thing. It's a dwelling or it's a home for the Lord. So he's no longer in the business of visiting. I read this quote. I'll leave that today. I'm going to prove it to you through the word. I read this quote. I thought it was really good. And he says this quote. You can't have a habitation encounter with God. Jesus come into my life. Jesus fill me. Jesus come in and take over. You can't have a habitation encounter with God at salvation and then downgrade it to a visitation culture with God in your experiences. 
In other words, if God is gonna come in and inhabit you, but then you're gonna live the rest of your life just calling on him every now and again when you need him, then we're missing the point of what scripture's all about. God is not looking to come and visit you from time to time. He wants to inhabit you all the time. Amen, church. Now, there's a difference between visitation and habitation. If, if I invited you to come over for a visit and you came over to my house, Christy and I, we would take all of our junk that we leave out and we would shove it under the couch and we'd put it up in the closets, right? And we would put our best foot forward and you would walk in, you go, wow, your house is so clean. I know, it is, right? Because that's what we do when people visit. We take all of our stuff and we hide it so that what you see when you walk into the house is you see a clean house. And everybody goes, oh, I wish my house was that clean. It looks so good. What you don't do is open our closet. Don't do that, right? What you don't do is look under the couch because we hide it. When you come over for a visit, we put our best foot forward. But if I invited you to come and live with us, we would do a checklist first before we do that, right? If I invited you to come and live with us, you would see all of our mess. You would see all of our junk. You would see that our life is not all pristine and put together. I know, I know. You would see that we like to shut our windows and shut our doors and at times go to World War III with one another, right? You would see the messiness of our life, but you would come in and that would be where you make your home. And the Lord is saying these words to you. I'm not looking to visit what you think you put your best foot forward that looks pristine. I'm looking to visit your mess. I want in even though it's messy. Oh God, you just don't know. I want in even though it's messy. And so this idea of visitation and habitation is not based on your perfection, it's based on his perfection. I want you to hear that today. And this is why. Jesus says these words at the very end of his life as he's getting ready to ascend to heaven and he's just given us the great commission to go and be disciples in his name not some of us, but all of us, to go and be missionaries and disciples in his name. And he says these words, behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Yeah, but Jesus, you're going up to be with God. How are you going to be with us? He goes, behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. This was a brand new, like, what does this mean? You're with us to the very end of the age. And they're about to find out what he means. And so when we talk about pursuing the Lord, this, this pursuit of the Lord. I was in the season this last week, too, whatever it's been, where I've just kind of been crying out, God, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Come meet with me, God. Come meet with me. I'm desperate. Anybody ever cried those prayers? Like, God, I'm just desperate. I need you. I just need you. And I was reading the word, and I was listening to a podcast, darn it. And in this podcast, a, a guy named uh, Graham Cook, he says these words. He goes, why are we so desperate for the Lord? All we need to do is look inside of our lives because Christ in me is the hope of glory. And his whole point was, yes, be desperate for the Lord, but we're looking somehow like God needs to come, like I'm chasing God and he's running away from me. And he goes, God's not running away from you, he's inside of you. And I tell you, it brought such conviction to my life because I don't live my life so many times in that way. I live my life in a visitation with the Lord, but not a habitation with the Lord. How do you live your life? When we get this down, that God is not looking to visit you, but to inhabit you, it will change everything. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, Paul says some heavy words about being made alive in Christ and reconciled in him, and Jews and Gentiles both are being reconciled in him. 
And then he says these words, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ and Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. What he says, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Teen, where he says we grow up, hear what he's saying here. He'll reiterate it here in just a minute in Ephesians 4.15, where he says we grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ. He is saying in this moment that God desires to not live anywhere else but inside of you. And if we don't get that in our day and age, we're missing out on the mystery of Christ. The mystery of God is Christ as a dwelling place, a dwelling place. I want to walk through with you what this looks like when we talk about dwelling as a dwelling place. A dwelling place is a place where you live or stay as a permanent resident. So God isn't looking to come in forever. This was the Old Testament and he wants to live and reside and dwell in you forever. This was the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the hearts of people were that they could be with God forever, right? The hearts of people in the Old Testament was, oh God, would you come rescue in those moments that he would come, he would do what he accomplished and then he would go back to his dwelling place of the Lord it's the famous one David says these words in Psalm 27 one thing I ask of the Lord it's the famous one this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him of the Lord now is you what David didn't know in his time and what you and I know in our time is that the temple of the Lord now is you and I David's thinking he's got to go somewhere to find him. The Lord says, no, I'm inside of you. Do you believe it, church? As we see a shift happen from Old Testament to New Testament, I want to walk you through this. That Colossians verse of Christ in you, the hope of glory, it says this was the long-awaiting mystery of God. The long-awaiting mystery of God. The thing that was the mystery that God, you, the hope of glory. Why that's so profound and important is this. We did this about a year ago or so, and I want to walk you through this again. Why this is so important is that when we think of God's dwelling, just to walk throughout Old Testament to New Testament, God always had a longing to dwell with his people, always. It's why in the garden it said Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the morning. To walk with God means that his presence was there. He was there and they were, it says in Genesis 3.8. And they sinned and you remember what they did? They hid from his presence as it says in Genesis 3.8. We hid ourselves from your presence. They're hiding because God is with them. And in that moment, something happens. We know they sin, they, they're kicked out of the garden because I'm a holy and righteous God, but man, I long to be with my people. You guys remember that? And so there's this, that God says, I'm gonna dwell at this place called Mount Sinai. You guys remember that? And so there's this mountain that's got thunder and lightning and it erupts and it sounds like trumpets and everything. So Moses, they're fearful of this mountain. They're like, a holy God lives up there. So Moses leads the million people out of captivity, and they're in the wilderness. And what we see in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, it says this. When all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. So everybody was standing far off from this mountain where the presence of God was dwelling except for Moses. 
And Moses goes up there and it says he meets with the Lord. What? Sin. Loves his people. But he can't be around sin. So God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, and Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments, and then we find our next place in Scripture where he takes the Ten Commandments, and God gives him instructions to build him a tabernacle and build him an ark, and that his presence will be in the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant is supposed to be in a place called the Holy of Holies. God, wanting to dwell with mankind, I want to be with you, but you got to place me in the Holy of Holies. And so we see in Exodus 25, 8, God says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. It's his longing. It's his desire. Exodus 25, 22 talks about the Ark of the Covenant. There I will meet with you, and from the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant between the two cherubim, that are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you. God's desire is still to dwell among his people. But he can't be in direct contact because of the sin that we carry. Redemption had not yet come in in the Old Testament. And then enter Jesus. Come on. God has a plan. Because his plan was never visitation. His plan was always habitation. His plan wasn't to come and meet with you from time to time. His plan was to be in you all the time. So God sends his one and only son, Jesus, in the flesh. Jesus comes, and now the fullness of God is dwelling in the man, Jesus. How do we know that? Because that's what scripture says. Listen to what it says about Jesus. Oh, I love this. Hebrews 1 says, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. John 14, 9, Jesus tells us himself, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So you've got God going, oh, that I could just dwell among you, that I could just be with you again. But we've got a sin issue, and i got to deal with that sin issue. So I'm going to come in the man of Jesus, and I'm going to dwell among you. I'm going to come in Jesus, part of the Trinity, and I'm going to dwell among you. And we know what Jesus does. Jesus goes to the cross, and at the cross, he says, it is finished. Sin, enmity with God is destroyed in a moment. Amen, church. And in that moment, something is about to happen. God is going to get what God has always wanted. <laughs> He's good at that. Jesus dies on the cross. He's resurrected on the third day. He's already told his disciples, I'm going to go back and be with my father, but my father's about to come and be in you through the third part of the Trinity, and that's Pentecost on the Holy Spirit. So you've got this Old Testament visitation into God coming in the flesh in Jesus Christ, into the Spirit of God falling on Pentecost Sunday, and, or Pentecost, and here's what it says when the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost. I love this. At Pentecost in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, dot, 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 and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So God in that moment at Acts chapter 2 gets what he's always wanted. I don't want to visit you. I don't want to just walk beside you. I want to be in you. Amen, church. So at Pentecost, he gets to give us the mystery that's been out there for thousands of years. And the mystery is God going, I've always longed to be with you. And I get to be inside of you now at Pentecost. It changes everything. This changes everything. 
All this does is speak to how much he loves you. All through those thousands of years of the Old Testament, I want to be with you, I want to be with you, I want to be with you. Oh, I got you. And now everything in the New Testament, read it, all the language changes. All the epistles that the, that the apostles wrote, all the letters that the apostles wrote, all of the language changes. It's no longer about God coming and visiting. It's all about Jesus inside of you. Listen to this language in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Paul's talking to the Corinthian believers and he says this, or do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? I'm asking you today, church, do you not realize about yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? He's saying, not metaphorically, he's not saying, I mean, I kind of mean it. He's saying, he really, truly dwells inside of your life as a believer. Romans 8, 10, you'll say it again. If Christ is, everybody say, in you. If Christ is in you, through the, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. He'll say it again in Galatians 1.15, when it pleased God to reveal his son in me. He'll say it again, in me, crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. You see what he's doing is this, I was simply to show that his mystery, all the buildup was his mystery is that Christ lives in you. So how does this change us? What, what does this mean for us then? I'm gonna tell you, I believe that this is the game changer in the Christian life. I, I wanna keep this short and sweet, so give me five more minutes, but I wanna tell you, when we begin to live our life with the understanding that Christ is in us, it changes how we look at life, it changes our perception. There's no mountain that's too big that Jesus can't bring down. There's no circumstance that will ever stand up to you that Jesus has ever trembled at. There's no demonic force out there that Jesus has ever said, I'm a little bit nervous with that one. There's none. There's no marriage he can't fix. There's no kid he can't bring home. I'm telling you right now, when we believe that Christ lives in us, all things are possible. And this is where the church has to rally, right here. Do I believe that he lives in me? Not poetically, not metaphorically. Do I believe that the God of the universe has chosen me as a temple to live in? You don't come to church to find Jesus. You are the church and he lives in you. This changes everything. So what we're doing when we're practicing a abiding and dwelling in him when we're saying this what we're learning to do is this word host everybody say host we're learning to host the presence of God we're not going to contain the presence of God we're simply hosting the presence of God he says I'm not visiting you where I see that you've put your junk under the couches he says I'm coming to live with you how does that change our life when he comes to live with us where I may be bent to chase after my addictions where I may be bent to go and watch things I shouldn't watch where I may be bent to go and do things that I know that I shouldn't do I'm remembering somebody else is in my house somebody else lives there and it ain't just me amen and so where I'm bent to go and do my own thing I remember oh Jesus is in the living room where I may be bent to get anxious and fearful, where I may be bent to get angry and spiteful, where I may be bent to criticize within me, people down, 
because I'm just mad or whatever it is. When Christ lives within me, I remember he's sitting there and he hears every single word. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't, and I was hosting you, or you, and you were coming into my house and I was hosting you, or you came to live in my house, you would see a whole bunch of mess. But I tell you, I would watch what comes out of my mouth. I wouldn't chase after the sinful desires that sometimes can raise up within me because somebody else is living in my house. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians, and they were absolutely a mess. That's why he asked them that question. Do you not realize that Christ lives in you? When God inhabits us, not visits, when God inhabits us, He changes our mindsets. When God inhabits us, He changes our hearts. When God inhabits us, we remember those words, greater is He who is where? In me than He who is in the world. I'll say it over and over again, I don't care if I repeat myself, there is nothing in your life that God cannot overcome. We trust him. So when we're saying things like, come Holy Spirit, I've said that my whole life, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, he's going, I've already come. Recognize me. Understand that I'm in your heart. When we say, come Holy Spirit, what we're really doing is we're inviting the Holy Spirit. Here's the control. You're in my house. Here's the controls. You get the remote. That's a, that's a battle. Amen? Come Holy Spirit. You get the remote. You get the controls. I surrender to what it is you want to do. Here's my circumstances. I feel dry right now, Lord. I feel dry, Holy Spirit. He goes, I know. I live there. So he understands it all. I love something that Graham Cook said. He says, I'm convinced that many believers are still trying to experience the kingdom of God from an Old Testament paradigm of visitation and not habitation. He says, I've been to so many prayer meetings where people have said, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. I'm guilty. And he says these words, I thought he already did that. <laughs> when Jesus was baptized, it says the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit came upon him. He says, Jesus has already rendered the heavens. Do you recognize it in your life? And at the cross in Matthew 27, it says that Jesus gave up his spirit. And the veil was torn in the temple. And the Holy of Holies was split open. And the presence of God could now do what it was supposed to do, what his presence wanted to do, which is fill the hearts of his people. So it changes everything about our life, where God is no longer just coming. He's coming to inhabit you all the time. And he, last, he left these words real quick. He says, understanding the internal presence of the Lord is key to all things. Because when we understand that the Lord lives here, 
not up there, not outside of these walls or, you know, inside of these walls, how we sometimes think of church. I've got I've to go find Jesus. I've got to go to church. No, he's inside of you. He says these words. When we learn to dwell in Christ, it means the end of all anxiety. When we learn to dwell in Christ, it means the end of all negativity. Not because it's not there in our flesh, but because the Lord can destroy all anxiety. The Lord doesn't fear all the things that we fear. The Lord doesn't fear the circumstances that come in our life. The Lord doesn't fear the mountain that we're up against. The Lord isn't worried about my addiction over here because the Lord knows that he can break my addiction in here. The secret of life, the mystery of God revealed. Everything that you want to know about life and godliness right now, everything that you want to know about how to blaze trails in the Lord, Will you live it, church? Me, the hope of glory. Do you believe it, church? Will you live it, church? So I want to give you a chance. They're just going to play a song. We're going to dim the lights in here. And I just want you to catch a vision of the Lord right here. You don't need to look up. You don't need to look side to side. I just want you to go right here, inside. I want you to just close your eyes if you would. I want to pray this over you. I want you to look right here in your heart. Get out the imagery of, well, you're talking about where my organs are and my, my, my lungs. No, I'm not talking about the physical. I'm saying inside where you feel that, that spirit inside of you, where that will and your emotions and all those things are. And what you're seeing is right smack dab in the middle. He says, I live. I live there. My presence dwells there. So right now, as you're looking inside of your life, ask that question, do I realize that there is residence in my life and I'm not the only one who lives there? That the God of the universe has chosen right there, he's gonna live there. That God has chosen to me. What can my circumstances do to me? That God has chosen to live there right now. So why am I so worried about my bin to go and do this, this, and this? The God of the universe lives right here. Why am I freaking out in a world right now when this is not my home? The God of the universe lives right here. Oh God, that your church, that your church right now, your people would understand the mystery of God is Christ in me, the hope of glory. I pray that you would help us to look deep inside of our hearts and see that you are not just wanting to come and visit in times of need, not just going to come and visit when we get things cleaned up, but you want to inhabit us in all of our mess, that you want this place to be a habitation even when we mess things up, that you're coming to live with us. Change it all, Jesus. Give us eyes to see that pray these things in your name. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.